This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Yeah, we're good. Ready? Okay, Parsh Balos Lab, everybody, 5783. In the beginning... Look, there's a lot that happens in Parsha Balosa. There's a lot that's going on here. I picked something more toward the beginning of the Parsha, something that I don't think everybody knows about. It's in Perak Tess Pasuk Zayin. By Yomru Anashem love these men, they said to him, Anachnu Tmeim Lenefesh Adam, we are Tomei for a person. Lomani Gara, why should we be left out? Levilti Hakar Viskorban Hashem B'Mo'ado that we shouldn't bring the Korban HaKadosh Baruch Hu in its proper time B'Silch B'nei Yisrael among all of B'nei Yisrael that's what these men were saying we'll talk about who they were what, why they were Tommy, etc okay so that's what it says and then it says Vayomar Aleim Moshe Moshe Rabbeinu then said to them Imdu Ve'eshma Ma'itzav Hashem Lachem so stand here wait and I'm going to tell you what HaKadosh Baruch Hu was going to command about this situation what has to be in such a situation Okay, obviously, there were people that were Tomei Mace. Why were they Tomei Mace? The Gemara brings three different reasons. There's three different reasons why they were. Either it was because they were the ones who were supposed to pick up Nodav and Aviyu, take them out of the Ol Moed, and bury their bodies afterward. It might have been a little bit of a walk, which is why it took them so long, and they still weren't Tahor yet. That's a possibility. There might have been the Nosei Aron Shel Yosef, the people that carried Yosef's coffin through the Midbar, and therefore they were Tommy because they had just recently touched Yosef's Aron, even though they had been in that spot for quite a while, and they shouldn't have carried the Aron, but they had just recently. Or, number three, that they had been together, they had taken care of a mace mitzvah. It's possible it could be any mace, but they were specifically, says the Gemara, a mace mitzvah. I believe it's in Sukkah Daf Chafet. So either way, that was one of the reasons it worked, but they were, and that's that. Now they were wondering, what do they do about the Korban Pasach? The Korban Pasach is going to have to be brought at a certain time, on the 14th of Nisan, right before, right, obviously, the Chag Pesach itself. So they knew that was going to happen. So what would we do? They felt bad that they weren't going to be able to bring it. The wording seems interesting. It's almost like it's not our fault, so why should we be blamed for it? And that's that. But this is a really strange question, isn't it? I mean, isn't that the question that anybody would ask? Hashem, why is it fair that I'm not a Kohen and I can't do Birchas Kohenim? HaKadosh Baruch Hu, why is it fair that I got sick and therefore I can't do X, Y, and Z? HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's not fair. I really want it. I, like, this, this is not a legitimate question, is it? Especially from a guggle. We all understand that there are certain situations that we either put ourselves in or we are in and we can't do something because of it. Do we ever complain to Hashem and say, Lama Nigara? And if we do, is that a legitimate complaint? Is that something that the Torah is saying that you can legitimately ask? Because that sounds to me like a real Really strange thing to ask, almost as if it's something that's wrong. Do, do you think, do they honestly think that Moshe Rabbeinu was going to change the Torah because it wasn't fair? Does that make any sense to anybody? Well, it's, it's warped thinking. Like, the center of the universe is me, and therefore the Torah has to go around what I need to do, and therefore if the Torah doesn't fit what I do and what I need, then how can I keep the Torah? It's such a strange thing to have. So first, why does it say a love to him? If you look at the wording, a love, they spoke to him, they spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu. Why specifically to him? Why not say this question publicly? Why were they only talking to Moshe Rabbeinu? So those nine Torah suggest three answers, and all of them are pretty obvious answers. The first one is, they didn't want Aaron going to hear them, because one of the answers is that they had taken care of Aaron's two kids that had died. 
And that wouldn't be fair because then Aaron would be reminded of the kids of his that passed away and he would say, oh, right, my kids. So they whispered it to Moshe. They said it to Moshe. They're like, Moshe, look, we know we don't want to say this in front of Aaron because it's not his fault, but his kids died and we're the ones who did this. We feel bad. What should we do now? That's one reason why they spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu alone. Number two, Asking Moshe was like asking the Urim Betumim. You asked a question, you were going to get answered. It was going to be awesome. When you speak to the Urim Betumim, you must speak quietly. It can't be done in front of everybody. It can't be public. It's got to be just between you, the Kohen or Kohen Gadol, and the Urim Betumim itself. So they spoke quietly just to Moshe Rabbeinu, and they had to do that. I have no idea if that always happened. This would be a super interesting thing to find, that everyone who talked to Moshe Rabbeinu spoke to him quietly. But either way, that's the second answer he gives. The third one is they hinted to Moshe that he was the reason that they were tummy. He's at fault. It's not their fault. They wouldn't have done it. But he's the one who told them, Mishal and Altsafan, if it was these two people, that they should take Nadav and Avihu's bodies out of the Kodesh or the Kodesh of Kedoshim and grab them and bury them. So they said to Moshe Rabbeinu, it's you, it's you, they said. Why did you tell us to do this? So they spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu and they said it in a private fashion. They're not complaining publicly because they didn't think they weren't so audacity. They didn't have the audacity to get up in front of everyone and be like, that's not fair, Moshe. But they said to Moshe Rabbeinu himself, they said, listen, Moshe, you and I, you and we both know that this was on you. You're the one who asked us to do this, and this is the result. Please help us figure out a way to bring this Corbin. We want to bring this Corbin. That's the idea of Shalom, you had your hand up? Um, is, is it kind of like, like, um, like is the Yeah. Hundred percent. None of these. It's only because it says they love, and it seems like only Moshe Rabbeinu is here. But you're right. According to the difference that the Gemara brings, there could be another way of looking at all this. But just according to this word, a love itself, and that's that. Now, these people. Who were they exactly? Rashi is of the opinion that they were very great. Anoshim. Anoshim is not not just an Adam who's the lowercase man, not just an Ish, who's also Choshev, but not as great. Anoshim are Anoshim Chashuvim, Ansheitsura, men of renown. They had thought this through before and they didn't just go up to Moshe Rabbeinu with a, you know, a thing like a little five-year-old kid saying, Mommy, Daddy, this isn't fair. They thought about this. They wanted this to be through. They say, and this is how Rashi says, Moshe Rabbeinu told them that Kajim cannot be brought Betumah. If you're Tameh, you cannot bring these Korbanos. So they said to him, there's got to be another opinion over here. There's got to be. This doesn't make any sense. The Korban Pesach is a Chiyuv Kares. If we don't bring the Korban Pesach, we're Chayiv Kares. It's allowed to be brought in a group, they said to Moshe Rabbeinu, and we know this. It's allowed to be brought in a group. So why not have the, Kor- the Kohanim sprinkle the blood for us? We're part of a whole group. Other people will eat the Korban Pesach tonight. We won't be able to eat it because we're Tomei, right? But at least they'll sprinkle the blood for us. Other people will eat it. And that way, the Korban will be brought, will be counted with it. We won't be Chayev Kares. And the Korban won't go to waste, right? Because it's not for us. It's for the other people out there. Why not allow us to be part of a whole Chabura? That was their Kasha. And that seems to be a legitimate question. Moshe wasn't even sure. 
And that's why you had to check with the bugs, so to speak. You had to go to a Kodesh Baruch and say, what's going on? What are their options? Does this make sense? Does this option make sense? And that's exactly what he asked them. What do we do over here? And that's what he asked the Kodesh Baruch This Parsha should have been get over, says Rashi, by Moshe Rabbeinu himself. Moshe Rabbeinu should have told them about Pesach Sheni, that there's going to be another option on Yudalit Ear in a month from now that they'll be able to bring the Korban Pesach. But it wasn't. Because he says, These were great people, men of renown, the people who thought this through, and because they were so zolche, they were able to have the question be asked through them themselves, and therefore, the whole Torah is based on them. It's unfortunate that we don't know their names exactly, even though the Gemara does suggest Mishal and Eltzafan, the cousins of Aaron. Nonetheless, they're great people, they asked a great question, and they ended up getting right over here. So the Moshe Zakeni wonders about that. He says, wait a second. Is it a schus to become Tame? Right? These people were Tame, obviously for a reason. What's the Megalgalin schus alide zaka? Yes, again, they were great people and they said great things. But the Moshe Zakini wonders, like, what exactly, what schus did they have that they went through? And he said, it's because they were Tame, but they were Tame against their will. Either because they were following Moshe Rabbeinu's directives, or because, again, they were carrying Yosef's, Yosef Atzadik's kever. Who, who gets to carry Yosef Atzadik's body? That's an unbelievable person. The pallbearer for Yosef Atzadik to be brought to Shechem, which was a tzibur that he gave to all the Klayas, all the representing everybody. Or, obviously, the Mace Mitzvah, as we said before. These are great people. They may have been able to go into the Kodesh or the Kodesh of Kedashim to take out those bodies. I'll right here. But, the, we have a, but there is, it's possible that that's who these people were. They weren't just stomp people who touched something in a appropriate that it was a bad thing altogether. There were great people who merited to do something great. And that's what we say. And it seems, Targum Yonason says, the exact same shot. The idea that these were great men who did something great, not against their will, so to speak. So that's that. That's the Moshe of Zikanim. Dorash Moshe, Reb Moshe Feinstein, asks a very simple question. He says this in four different ways. It's in four different ways. I found it in three different svarim in different ways. But it's the same basic pshat, the same basic idea. It says, it makes sense by the Beno Slavchad. Do you remember the Beno Slavchad, the daughters of Slavchad? We'll see them later on in the next upcoming parshios. They go to Moshe Rabbeinu and they say, what do you do if there's no boys and there's only girls? And they ask the question, what's going to be with the Yerusha and Eretz Yisrael? Do we get a Yerusha? Do we not get a Yerusha? What happens to our father's Chelek and Eretz Yisrael? And there, it makes sense to say, because we know their names. The Torah even makes a point to go through their names. Machla, Noah, Chogla, etc. It goes through exactly who those people were. So when you have names to go with this idea, then you say, it's a great thing. But says Ramosha, clearly the Torah is not mentioning these people's names. Even if it was in Mishol and Otsafen, and the Gemara tells us who it is. But the, the Pusik doesn't say anything. How in the world could you say this, and not tell us who they were? How is that possible over here? And he answers, there are two different types of greatness. He says, the greatness of someone who wants to do a mitzvah out of love, just because the mitzvah exists, I want to do this mitzvah, this is an option for me, I'd really like to get involved, then it says if the mitzvah is given through them. If you allow yourself to be that type of person, then the mitzvah is literally, it becomes your mitzvah. Your mitzvah. Had we mentioned their names, had we said this is who it was, then you might think that the reason why they made it into the Torah is because they were great people. And because they're great people, they got to ask a great kasha. 
So I wouldn't learn a lesson from that. I'm not a great person. I'm not Mishal. I'm not Old Safan. I'm not Aaron. I'm not Moshe. So I don't get to be in the Torah. You got to be either really awesome or really bad. And then you make it in the Torah and that's that. But here, this is a different lesson. This is not about Mishal and Old Safan, great people who ask the great Kasha. This is as if two people who could have been anyone, it could have been anyone, who said, we want to do a mitzvah. Moshe, what do we do about this mitzvah? Says the Baruch Hu, ah, you're getting put into the Torah. You're getting put into the Torah. They might not know exactly who you are because I don't want to give that away. I don't want it to look like only because they're great people, that's why they make it into the Torah. But you're going to make it into the Torah and you'll know and your family will know that you made it into the Torah because you desired a mitzvah so much, you wanted to do it so badly, you were willing to push your way into Moshe and say, Moshe, how do we do this mitzvah? Says the Kaddish Baruch Hu, you're here. And that's true by every single one of us. Every single one of us can have that desire to do a mitzvah that we know we can't keep. Look, I, I don't know if this is the greatest, but I, if everybody felt this way, maybe, I don't know, I definitely did. Over 2020, when we weren't able to go to Shoal, did anybody have that real desire to go to Shoal again? I know it didn't change much. I know it didn't change much, because in the end, I remember I saw Ravon Lipiansky's beautiful, beautiful piece in the Mishpacha magazine at the end of 2020 when people were starting to go back to Shoal, and he's like, nothing will change. <laughs> I, was, I was so disappointed. I'm just like, what do you mean everything's going to change? We're never going to talk in Shoal ever again, right? We're never going to stop concentrating. We're always going to appreciate the Torah being brought out. How could we ever take you know, advantage of Kriya Satora ever again. How could that happen? Kedusha? How could we miss Kedusha? I remember feeling that way. But Ronald Lepiansky was a thousand percent right. It took like one minion for me to be like, eh. <laughs> like that's what happens because that's who we are. But if you have that true desire to be there, you want so badly you just can't, then everybody understands. You get it. You understand why you can't be there. If you say to a person, I can't be at your wedding, I really want to be there. I just can't. I just can't. The person feels it. Meanwhile, if you call up and you're like, I'm not coming, I hate you, and you hang up, then obviously you're not going to get any schuss for that. But you call them up, you say that you want to be there so badly, that already means that you want to be there. That's that. And that means you have the opportunity to do a mitzvah. You have the opportunity to do something amazing. Says Ramosha, plead for it. Beg for it. Daven your and say, why can't I do this mitzvah? Why wouldn't I be able to? I'll tell you a crazy story, but this happened, it's almost 20 years ago, I think it was in the year 2002, maybe 2003, where I so badly, I, a guy came to Yeshiva once and he said he got the mitzvah of Shiloh HaKan, right? He did the whole thing of sending away the mother bird, taking the egg, and I was like, oh man, I want to do this mitzvah. It was, I, I think, I have it down in my notebook, but I can't tell if it was Baloska or Shlach. But I was like, I, I really want to do this mitzvah. I've never done the mitzvah of Shiloh HaKan before. I'd love to do it, right? That very night, that night, a bird started making a nest outside of my window, outside of my apartment in Eretz Yisrael. Very nice, right? Three days later, it laid an egg. And the next Thursday, I had given this in a shear on a Thursday night in base, like, I don't know, it was a, a long time ago, whatever. And I, that next Thursday, I brought in the egg. I brought in the egg. I'd love to say that I made an omelet out of it and I cooked it up. What I did instead is I brought it to Mea Sharm the next day to be able to put it in like a glass box to remind me of the whatever it was. And... As I was crossing the street, a bus honked at me really loudly. I dropped the egg, and it was on the Mayasharm Street right after that. So that didn't happen the way I wanted it to. But you know what I did? I dove in for it again. 
and it came back, stupid little bird. It came back and laid an egg in the exact same spot. I got to do it two weeks in a row. That really is the example of that. And if you think, like, I, yeah, I, there was a time at one point where I was actually holy. There was like a three-week period in Eretz Yisrael where I was like really davening. I've tried doing it again. It hasn't worked that way. But that's the concept that Ramosh is talking about. He's saying, use your davening. Want it. Desire it. Push yourself. And if you do it, then it's called by your name. And that's what it means by Mikalgal and Sklosayide Zakai that you have it. I have another great story, by the way. I did it a third time. I davened for it because somebody told me there's a, you get a Sklos. If you do this, you will end up, for people that weren't able to have a child, you're going to be able to have a child. It's good to be able to have a child. So I did it. I called for it back. And I called over a friend of mine and I asked him, do you want to come to, you know, do Shulach HaKan? I didn't tell him why. He said, sure, I've never done it before. He did it. And I promise you I didn't think that way. But 10 months later, 10 months later, and I did the cheshben at the kid's bris. 10 months later, the guy had a baby boy. They had only been, it wasn't like one of those, like they'd been married for 72 years, nothing like that. They'd been married for about two and a half years and they hadn't had a child yet. But this is, it was exact. And I only thought of it at the bris. I was sitting down and I'm like, oh my gosh, they did Shiluah Hakan. And I thought it through, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it was 10 months ago. I figured out the exact Kajman. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And those are pretty awesome things. That's the Darash Moshe. That's how Ramosha puts it. Now, the Kliyakar says they may have understood, these guys, from the fact that it says, Bimoado, in its proper time, that there are times when the Tzibor is to bring the Korban Pasach even when they're Tameh. And that's true, right? If most of the Tzibor is Tameh, technically even nowadays, if there wasn't an issue with going on to Harabayas, we could bring the Korban Pasach without the Paraduma ashes. We're all Tameh. You could bring the Korban Pasach Betuma. And they understood that. So they wondered, if that applies to a Tzibor, said these two great people, then why would it apply to individuals? Maybe the rest of Klal Yisrael is Tahor, but we want to bring the Korban Pasach. We're Tameh. So why can't that Hector for the Tzibor, that Tumah is Hutra B'Tzibor, at least Nidcha B'Tzibor, why wouldn't that apply to us as well? As individuals, the Yechidim, why can't we go ahead and do it? The answer, right, the answer that's given over here is, is basically Moshe Rabbeinu told them is that no, there's a different din by individuals and Tzibors, that's Pasach Sheni, etc. The Rush brings this, the Divrei David and the Taz brings this, but that's the Kliyakar's answer. The Shemi Shmuel adds to this reason over here. Remember, they were carrying the Aron of Yosef at Tzadik, or in one of those three opinions. That was the responsibility of all of Klau Yisrael. He had sworn to everybody that they should take care of his coffin and bring him to be buried in Shechem. So they said to themselves, hey, if we represent Klau Yisrael, which they did, if we represent Klau Yisrael, then we should be at Tzibor. And if we're at Tzibor, then Tzibor is Nidche. It pushes off the Tumah. So we should count not as individuals. We should count as an entire Tzibor. And we should be able to be Klau Yisrael to bring the Korban Pesach even Betumah. And Moshe Benes said, that's good thinking. But it doesn't work. That's not what we pass in La Wacha. You're going to be pushed off. And that was that. That's the second reason that's given over. So we got Rashi. We got the Kliyakar. Those are the two that are mentioned over there. The Sporno says an unbelievable answer as well. It says they couldn't understand. They said, look, we did a mitzvah. Whatever the mitzvah was. One of the three mitzvahs, whatever it was. But we did a mitzvah, right? We dealt with the mitzvah, mitzvah. We took care of Yosef's bones. We did something, right? How could that prevent us from doing another mitzvah? How could you have one mitzvah push us off from mitzvah number two? If anything, we say mitzvah go reris mitzvah. 
right? One mitzvah leads to the other. Where's our next mitzvah? How could we have lost out, they said to Moshe Rabbeinu? That's not fair. That doesn't make any sense, right? Really, it should lead to the next thing over here. The Orachai and the Kaddish says the exact same thing. They said they had reshus from God to do what they did. They were allowed to. They got reshus to do what they were supposed to do. So how could it be that we're going to lose out on something when we had straight out Rishus permission to do what we did. That's how the Orachim Kaddish puts it. There's a Tzorah more over here. He says the exact same thing. It could even be that they were hinting to something deeper. And this is a cool idea. It's kind of like 3A. But we know what Tumas Mace is. You can't touch a dead body because it transfers Tuma to you. We don't know how it works. I can't explain to you how Tuma works. I can just tell you that it works. I can tell you the process by which Tuma extends from one to the other. But I can't tell you why Tuma goes. Is it like this eerie thing that goes from one person to the other? But there's a process and it exists that way. They were looking at this and they were saying, hold on a second. Why are we Tume? We're Tume because either we touched Nadav and Aviyu, None of you two great tzaddikim who died in either the Kodesh or the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Or because we touched the bones of Yosef at Tzaddik, an unbelievable Tzaddik. They looked at Moshe and they were like, are we really Tameh? Is this Tuma? You're calling this Tuma? You don't consider this like an unbelievable Tahara? There are certain people in certain times, the Rishonim even said that by certain people, they said there's no Tuma in such a case and they allowed Kohanim to go bury the dead Right, even though the Kohanim, they allowed them to bring the dead to the cemetery because for certain people, right, there is no certain thing. Reb Chaim HaKohen, I think it was, one of the Balitosis, when he passed away, they allowed everyone to be metame themselves because there's no tumma by such a tzaddik. Such a great tzaddik wouldn't have this. So they said the exact same thing. By Yosef HaTzaddik, by Nadav HaTzaddik, maybe even the Meis Mitzvah, whatever the Meis Mitzvah was, they said, are you positive that this is tumma? Are we really tame? Can we really not bring the, the Korban Pesach? That doesn't make any sense. We're doing an unbelievable mix by carrying these people, right? So you're telling us that such a thing would be Metamias and not allow us to go, right? That's what they were asking the question on. They were trying to see how could that be, especially those Nadav and Aviyu. Nadav and Aviyu's souls lived on. Some say that they were brought into Pinchas. That's why Pinchas is known as Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron Akoin, because he wasn't just Pinchas ben Elazar. He was also, through the neshamas of Nadav and Aviyu that entered into him, was also Ben Aaron Akoin. He was considered like the son of Aaron Akoin. He supposedly had those neshamas within him, which means he was part of Elio Anavi, and Elio Anavi doesn't die, which means Nadav and Aviyu essentially are alive, even today. There is no such thing as Tuma by them. They're considered like they're already alive. So that's what they were thinking to themselves, and they wondered, is there really Tuma in such a case with such great people everything they did. The party Yosef talks about this in number 92, etc. It's even brought down by the Amunasi Techa, Rav Wolfson, he brings it in page 52 in Chelek Bay's the exact same type of idea. The Divrei Shol, Rav Shol in Amsterdam, says the same basic thing, but in a little bit of a different way. He says, since we're dealing with a very hush of person, Linefesh Adam, we're Tame Linefesh Adam for a very holy, very person, whatever this was, Yosef or another one of you or whatever it was, maybe these people aren't Tame because there were such Sadiqim in their lifetime. Tuma didn't go to them when they died. It's a little bit different. Moshe told them he can't rely on such a thing because we don't know. It's a low plug almost like once we assign Tuma to the dead, you can't say certain people yes, certain people no. He said low plug and they had to become Tame. They weren't able to bring the Korban Pesach. But it's an awesome, awesome idea. Answer number four. All of that was the first three answers. What they were thinking and why they thought they would be able to bring it. Answer number four. Orachai Mekadu says they expected the concept of Tashlumen to apply over here. Here's the concept of Tashlumen. Tashlumen is... 
If I can't bring the Korban Chagiga on the first day of Yom Tif, for whatever reason, then I can bring it on day two. If I can't bring it on day two, I can bring it on day three. If I can't bring it on day three, I can bring it on day four. There's a little bit of a machlokis in Chagiga if day two, three, four, five are all making up day one, or if each day is a makeup of the day before. One, two is for one, three is for two, four is for three. Either way, regardless, you have this machlokis on how Tashlumen works, and how Tashlumen, how you can make this up, and how you'd be able to go from one to the other. That's the Orachayim HaKadosh. So they thought the following. What they were saying to themselves was, maybe there's a concept of Tashlumen even by the Korban Pasach. Maybe you have this over here as well. I mean, if we can't bring it today, maybe we can bring it tomorrow. If we can't bring it tomorrow, maybe we can bring it the next day. Now we know the Korban Pasach has no Tashlumen. If you don't eat it on the night of Pesach, you can't do it on the next night. You can't do it on the night after that. We know that. But they were wondering, could there be a concept of Tashlumen like we have by the Chagiga? Can we have that or even the Re'iyah? Can we do that over here by the Pesach or not? Says the Orachim HaKadosh, that was their question. That's why they stressed, Bayomahu. on that day we can't bring it. But maybe we could bring it tomorrow. Maybe we could bring it the next day after that, they asked, could that possibly be? And Moshe Rabbeinu told them, no, not now, but a month from now. Yudalidir, that you'll be able to do. That's the concept. The fifth answer we get is brought by the Bechor Shor as well as the Orachayim HaKadosh. They both say the basic idea. These men knew, they knew that it was their seventh day of Tuma that day. How they knew, okay, whatever it is, there's a whole big machlokas and tostos in that Gemara that I mentioned before about who these people were, why their seventh day of Tuma was the 14th of Nisan. But they knew that that night they were going to be Tahor. So they went to Moshe and said, it's not fair. We want to bring the Korban Pesach, and we should be able to bring the Korban Pesach. Shecht it for us today, sprinkle the blood for us today, even though we're Tameh, and tonight we'll be Tahor and we'll eat it. It's not eaten today anyway. It's eaten tonight. So just do everything right now for us and we'll eat it later on today. Similar to Rashi saying if we're part of a Chabura, why not shecht it for the others? And even if we can't eat it, we can't do anything. But they're saying, the Bechor Shor and the Orachim HaKadosh are saying, why can't we just eat it tonight? We'll be Tahor tonight. It's right. It's time for us. Why can't we do it? All of them say the exact same basic idea. They learn it also from the word Bayomahu. This is brought by the Chassam Sofer, Ramosha Feinstein, Ayala Sashachar. They all question the logic. They question the logic behind such a question. You should know that obviously if you're Tommy right now, you can't say, but I'll be Tahor later. We have this concept that anybody who can't do something right now cannot send a Shliach for themselves right then. So there's no way to shecht for someone who's Tommy, even if they'll be Tahor soon. Either way, regardless, that's what they asked. Maybe that was the answer that they got. The Chizkuni says they had another Taina. Again, this is answer number six. They said, they're like, look, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we know last year that we were Tameh. Last year, everybody brought the Korban Pasach in Mitzrayim. Everybody was Tameh. Nobody did the sprinkling of the Paradum ashes. We didn't have the concept yet. We were all Tameh. And we all ate the Korban Pasach. Clearly, Tuma is not a hindrance to eating the Korban Pasach. So why can't we do it again this year? Why can't that happen this year? And that was their question. Why can't it be the exact same thing? The Abarbanel says, similarly, they didn't understand. They were not Mitzorayim that were kicked out of camp. They weren't even Tumazov. They didn't have Tumazov where they'd be kicked out of Tumazov, the, the, the idea of Machna Leviyah. They were Tamemes. They were allowed to be with everybody else who's Yisrael. We can sit at the Pesach Seder, they said. We're going to sit at the Pesach Seder. We're going to be part of the Haggadah. We're going to do everything. We can't do the Korban Pasach? 
What is Tumas Mace that doesn't allow us to bring the Korn Pesach? That they couldn't understand. They should be embarrassed by being with the Aurelim, the people who couldn't get a bris milah, and the Nachrim, the non-Jews that were there that can't bring the Korn Pesach because of something else. That's who we should be embarrassed like because we're Tomei Mace? That makes no sense. And because they had intentions, L'Shem Shemayim, they weren't punished for what they said even though they were they were saying it in a very, very harsh way. In fact, the words Loma Nigara, which is funny, the Oznayim Latorah says, stands for Nigara is Loma Nihia Goyim Rishoyim Arelim. Why should we be like the other nations, evil people and Arles that we don't get to bring the Korban Pesach? That's what they were saying and that's why he says Loma Nigara. There is a Tamid Akrov, Rav Chaim Knievsky brings an eighth answer, which takes a little bit of work. There are two other answers brought by the Chassam Sofer, and there's another answer in the Torah's Moshe. There's a lot of answers here. But I just gave you six, maybe seven answers as to what they were thinking and why they thought this is okay. But again, we're going to go back to that Ramosha because I feel that Ramosha is so strong. Rav Victor Miller says something similar, but in a different vein. Just another huge lesson over here. There's something very obvious that comes from this Pasuk. Something hugely obvious. Even if you can't perform a mitzvah for whatever reason, you can't do it, you have to want to do so. An anus, a person who can't do it, putter from doing the mitzvah, you are absolutely exempt. There's no way you're going to be able to do it. You will be rewarded for doing the mitzvah as if you did it, right? As if you did it by wanting to do so. And that's the schus that they had that this Parsha is named after them. Otherwise, Moshe Rabbeinu would have said it on his own like he did everything else in the Torah says of Victor Miller. Similar, so similar to what Moshe Feinstein was saying that. And therefore he says, and he goes on, he gives a specific example. He said, we should be sad that we're not able to do Trumas and Maestros where we are today. We should be sad that we're not able to keep the mitzvah of Shemitah. Right? We had Shemitah last year. I don't know how many people bought that piece of land for an exorbitant amount of money, right? From the Shemitah Sufim people, the Shemitah, what's it called, people, right? The Shemitah Zaretz people, right? But regardless, it sh- we should be sad that we don't have the ability to keep these mitzvahs the way they were given to us. We just can't. We're just not in that place itself. That's something, says Riv de Miller, is a chisarum manos that we just can't be counted for. And for that, we should feel bad. And if we do feel bad, we'll get something out of it. We'll get something straight from it. And look what happens. Says in the Taliyoros, he brings from the Melitz Yosher they ended up bringing the halacha of Korban Pesach and they, were end, they ended up bringing their Korban Pesach that very year. It could be that Moshe Rabbeinu never would have told them about this mitzvah. He never would have told them. He would have waited for the 40th year of the Midbar. Because remember, they brought the Korban Pesach year one when they were in Mitzrayim. They brought the Korban Pesach one year later, which is right now. And they didn't bring the Korban Pesach again until they entered Eretz Yisrael. This was the last Korban Pesach until they came into Eretz Yisrael. For 39 years, they would not have another opportunity. They didn't know that at the time. But they had 39 years, they would not have this opportunity. It's possible that if they never got up, if they didn't say anything, Moshe Rabbeinu would have kept this mitzvah for Sefer Devarim. Maybe he would have said, it's not for now. It's not for now. We'll, do, we'll bring it when everybody's going to bring the Korban Pesach in year 40. That's when we'll go ahead and do it. But these people got up and they said, what do we do? Lamani Gara. So Moshe Rabbeinu told them, all right, I'll tell you the halacha now. The halacha is that it applies even here. You still have Pesach Sheni. You'll be able to do Pesach Sheni. They allowed themselves to do it just because of that. Chidusha Rim calls it 
a brand new mitzvah that was literally created for them, which wouldn't have been if not for their desire to do the mitzvah. They created a mitzvah. Now, again, you can't create a mitzvah. We know that the Torah came before everybody, so obviously this mitzvah existed. What I think he means is, is that it's a brand new mitzvah for them right then. They wouldn't have been able to do it, and they would have been dead by the time that they would have gone into Eretz They never would have been able to accomplish this mitzvah in their lifetimes. But they did it because they asked for it right there. And Likute Sichos, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, says, this is how every Jew has to feel in our Golos. We have to say, Lamani Gara. Lamani Gara. Why are we missing this, Akarish Baruch Why don't we have this opportunity? Give us this opportunity, right? We should be able to bring a Korban in the base of Mikdash. Why don't we have that opportunity like everybody else in those days got to do? We want to see open miracles. We want to see these Nisim Gluyim. Lamani Gara. Says the Lubavitch Rabbi, that's all a person has to feel every single time. Then comes Ratzvi Melech of Dinov. This is a unbelievable pshat. He says, great people know that every mitzvah is connected a certain part of their body. They know that there's a mitzvah for every limb of their body, every part, every bone, every finger, every toe, everything represents something. When a person is hurting in a certain part of their body, if they're great enough, they'll be able to know what's hurting and they'll know what mitzvah to work on. There are great stories of Hasidic rabbis going to a doctor and saying, what what exactly is bothering me? And when they would tell him, oh, you've got some, something in your kidneys. Oh, there's something in your lungs. Oh, there's something. They would say, thank you, and walk out. They knew to be able to work on that mitzvah, do that thing itself, and they knew that was going to work for them. And that was it. That's what they were going to be able to do. Here's what these people thought. These people were right there in this situation, and they felt like they were missing something. They felt like a part of their body was missing. And they went to Moshe Rabbeinu, and they were like, why do we feel like we're missing something? We're a new sim. We're own sim. It's not our fault. It's not our fault. Listen, if I don't put on tefillin one morning, then it's my fault for not putting on tefillin, and I should feel like I'm missing something. That's true. That's 100% true, these guys said. But the Korban Pesach is not my fault. I took none of an avihu out of the Kodesh HaKadoshim or the Kodesh. I was, I'm the one carrying our Yosef HaTzadik. I had no choice but to do this Mace Mitzvah. How can I be blamed? How can I be missing something? I'm an Anus. It should be like I'm not missing anything at all. What's wrong? And that's why Moshe Rabbeinu came back to them and said, because you still have the opportunity to do the Mitzvah, just not now in one month. <laughs> he said, you're right, you're Anusim, which means you have to do it later. So when they said, what's wrong? Why are we missing something? Moshe Rabbeinu told them, because you're going to have that opportunity. Don't squander it. Don't lose it. Wait until that happens, and then you'll be able to feel. The Rav Chaim of San says the exact same thing. They couldn't figure out why they felt left out. Why they weren't there. Why wasn't this mitzvah part of their system already? Why did they feel like something was wrong? And that Moshe Rabbeinu told them, because you're not Yotze through everyone else. You're going to be Yotze through yourselves in one month. It'll take you one month, but you'll do that. There are very, very few mitzvahs that could be considered like that, that have a makeup afterward that you could do afterward. You're not yotze through anybody else. And that's that. The last thing we're going to talk about is a simple thing, but it's got some pretty awesome parts to it. Rashi points out Moshe Rabbeinu's assurance. Indu, stand here, guys. The Eshma'ah. And I'm going to hear from God what God is going to command to you. Ashrei Enosh, he says it. Ashrei Yilod Isha. Happy, praiseworthy, is a man, a simple person on earth, that has such an assurance that he knows God will talk to me in a few... Just give me a couple minutes. I'm going to talk to God. I'll get right back to you. 
There's quite a few people that would brag about such a thing. But for Moshe Rabbeinu to actually get up and say, that's a good question. Hold on, I, I have a conversation with God in three minutes. Okay? I'll tell you exactly what Hashem has said. And he didn't tell them to go home. He said, oh, stand here. Hold on. Oh, <laughs> that was it. That's amazing. That is amazing. He got that promise. He gets that? That's unbelievable. That's what he says over here. That's what Rashi says. Sifzai Chachamim talks about this. The Rabbeinu Bachaya says the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't know this answer is a punishment. He says it's different from the daughters of Slavcha. That had to do with Sarah. What should happen if this happens? And you don't know. You have no idea what to do if there's only daughters and there's no sons and everything like that. right? But the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't know this shows, he says, that he must have been missing out on something. This, on the other hand, seemingly, right, seems to be, at least Beno Slavkot, should be a, a, some, somewhat of a Masora. It's very hard. He goes on and he explains at the end that even Korban Pasach Sheni is only a Masora. It can't be logically assumed. And therefore, it wasn't necessarily out of a hate of Moshe Rabbeinu that he couldn't figure it out. It's something that nobody can assume otherwise. Targum Yonason goes into the other times that Moshe Rabbeinu seemed to need help and everything like that. There's an Aznayin Latorah that explains the difference between the Beno Slavchot and over here. There's an Igrid Akala as well that goes into it. And a Chsam Sofer, the difference between Moshe Rabbeinu and Mesha Chochma as well, that give tremendous answer, answers whether he was going to the Arun, to the Mishkan and he knew they couldn't go because they were Tomei. So he said, Imdu, just stand here. I'm going to go to the Mishkan. I'll come back and tell you. Or if he got HaKadosh, he got HaKadosh Baruch to speak to him right then. All those are 100% true. But there's an unbelievable story from the Baal Shem Tov here. The Baal Shem Tov used to have a really, really long tefillah. He used to daven for a very, very long time. He had Hasidim who davened with him. And they knew the Baal Shem Tov could start at any time. He could end at any time. Right? So sometimes the tefillahs would just be hours and hours and hours long. And they had no idea what to expect. So one day, the Hasidim, as they normally did, they got themselves ready and they sat down for the tefillah with the Baal Shem Tov. And they finished their Shemona Asrei. And they looked over the Baal Shem Tov and the Baal Shem Tov was like, Baruch Atah Hashem Magin Avraham. So anybody who's been in a minion like this, you're just like, Oh man, <laughs> like what are we going to do? So they looked at each other and for whatever reason, they were all starving. All starving. So they looked over the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov was taking his time, davening, speaking to Hashem. And they were like, you know, he's never going to miss us. So they got up and they went to breakfast. They all went back to their houses. They went and they had breakfast. And then they came back, expecting the Baal Shem to be on like Slach Lanu, right? They walk in, and the Baal Shem Tov, there's two versions of the story. One version of the story is he sprawled out on the floor. The other one is that he's sitting in his chair. And they come in and they're like, Rebbe, we're so sorry. When did Rebbe finish? I said, when did I finish? I finished when you left. And they said, Rebbe, what happened? You were in the beginning of Shemun How did you finish? He said, I'm going to give you a marshal. He said, let's say I wanted to grab something from the top of a very tall tree. Right? I can't climb the tree. I'm not going to be able to get up there. So what do I do? I see a bunch of people. I'm like, hey, if you go on his shoulders and you go on his shoulder, you go on his shoulder, I go on top of all your shoulders, then I'll be able to reach the top of the tree and I'll be able to get it. But without all those people up there, I can't do it. I just won't be able to get to the top of the tree. He says, I know there are things going on in Shemayim, but I can't get up there by myself. So I have to climb on top of people's shoulders. And that's what the minion is. 
The minion is, you have people that are there, and each one of you has a tefillah that's able to climb on top of one or the other, and I'm able to climb up on top of all of you, and therefore deal with what's going on in Shemayim. But when you all left, everybody came down. I was just standing in the air with nothing for me to stand on. So I just fell straight down. And that's why either he was sprawled out on the floor because, like, he fell, or he had, had to finish his Shimon Esrei. It was done. He couldn't stand up there. This is an unbelievable pshat. Rav Shlomo Yosef Zevin, in his Sefer Sipuri Hasidim, says, that's what Moshe Rabbeinu was telling me, Shalval Tzafan. Imdu, stand here, the Eshma'ah, and I will hear what Hashem says. He, Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't bragging and saying, hey, I'll go up to Shemaim. I'm going to go find out what's happening. He said, I need help to be able to get up there. If you two will daven with me, then I'll be able to climb on your shoulders and I'll be able to get high enough to be able to get to HaKadosh Baruch Hu to ask him what I need to ask. Are you willing to stand here? Are you willing to let me climb on your shoulders? And their answer was 100%. Yes, we'll stand here. That's the lesson of Imdu Vashma. Is that an unbelievable story from the Baal Shem Tov? Right? It's just a, a crazy, crazy thing over here. There's an Emes Liakov over here as well. I think the Nesivis Emes Liakov. I saw it quoted. I didn't see it inside. It's not in Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky. Oh, no. This one is. I'm sorry. There was another Emes Liakov that I saw this week. This one is Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky that says that he knew he was different from the other Navi and he said that this proves the Rambam that he could ask for Hashem for whatever he wanted and everything it is. I'm going to end with this. Tam Vidas says that this Pasuk again shows the greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu. Not from his assurance that a Kaddish Baruch Hu would answer him. That wasn't, obviously that's great, but that's not it. Moshe Rabbeinu was Kulo Emes. So when he heard a question that he wasn't sure of, and again, this is Moshe Rabbeinu. When he heard a question that he wasn't sure of, he didn't make up an answer. He didn't say, well, I think we should do this. His immediate response was not out of embarrassment. It was... I don't know. Let's ask somebody else. And that is the greatest lesson that somebody could say. I still can tell you. I had a Rebbe when I was in grade school, and I never liked him. Why? Because he thought he had the answers to everything. And I could never understand his answers. And I was one of those cute little kids who asked lots of little questions, like silly little questions, and every time he answered me, I hated it. Hated it. Because I thought the answers were just dumb. Right Or, worse, I thought they were totally, totally off-base. Like, completely off-base. I hated them. And I remember I had a different Rebbe, Rebbe Levinson. If anybody knows Rebbe Reuven Levinson, oh, he's a tzaddik beyond a tzaddik. I remember Rebbe Levinson, every time I asked a question, he would say, oh, that's a good question. I have no idea what I asked. I have no idea if it was a good question. But he made me think, he sat there for a second, and he said, oh, what a good question. He didn't have a beard then. He was clean shaven. He was like, what a, what a great question. What a good question. I think, but I don't know. Maybe the answer is like this. It changed everything for me. From a Rebbe that said, this is the answer to, I'm pretty sure, I think this is the answer. It totally changed my view. It was in sixth grade, and I still remember it. It changed everything about me. And that's the lesson, says Rav Sternbach, that you learn from right over here. The person who's able to say that, Rav Chaim Brisker famously was looking for a Dayan in Brisk, for somebody to take over the Dayanus in Brisk itself. He was for a postic, basically. right? And he famously said, right, he wanted someone who would be able to admit his mistakes. 
Somebody will be able to say, I'm okay with the mistake, and say he didn't know when he was asked the question about it. Because the Torah is MS. There's no room for a person to be mashakar or to brag about it. Why would a person want to do such a thing? Those who try to put their own ideas into it. Says Rav Sternbuch, the greatest lesson to learn from this Pasuk, and there's quite a few that we learned tonight, but the greatest lesson to learn from this Pasuk is this concept, that when Moshe Rabbeinu heard a question he didn't know, he said, I don't know, let's go ask. That's an unbelievable way of looking at things. All right, guys, have a great Shabbos. We'll dive in the main room. Yes, yeah, see you.